it's good to see everyone and some faces. I feel like, yeah, um, a lot of you guys have been gone away on traveling and some of you guys have been away um, in your room studying. I, all, some of the students in here, you guys are done with finals exams? Yeah? Yeah, a lot of you guys. Yay. We hope you guys are, you guys will be refreshed for the next couple months and um, yeah, enjoy winter. I keep thinking it's summer, but winter vacation. Um, I am excited to be here to be able to just share something that God's been putting on my heart um, more so recently. And um, two weeks ago, I preached on 1 Samuel 15 on just the, the power of how deadly, you know, just the power of deception in our lives, just looking at the life of Saul. Um, and, you know, I've been really into First and Second Samuel, just the life of David and it's amazing, though, how, like, sometimes you go into Scripture thinking, oh, I, I, I can't wait to learn more about David. But then as you're reading, there's so many other things that you're learning, and God just reveals things to you. And one of those people, one of the things that God's been highlighting as in my time of just reading through um, the life of David through Samuel is, is Samuel. Um, and I never s- saw really how powerful this man is and how much I admired wanting to be like him and God really showed me something really God worked in a really interesting way to um, reveal his desire for me through first Samuel 3 so I want to start there and um, and then we'll go into our message for today so if you can turn your Bibles to first Samuel chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Don't worry, I won't say the whole chapter. <laughs> Last week we read a whole, or two weeks ago we read a whole chapter. Okay, um, here we go. I'm going to read from the ESV. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you, have, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord said, Samuel, called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. This is word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that um, there is so much so much truth and so much beauty and so much truth. Um, just depth, God, in your word. And we just pray, Lord, 
that your Holy Spirit would illumine our minds today through your word. Father, I pray that you would help me to speak and to communicate from your word. And we just pray that it would be good to build up every single person who's here listening. Would you open our ears and enable us to hear your word? In uh, Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, you know, in our world, voice is a powerful thing. You guys ever think about that? Voice is powerful. Um, think about the arts, right? Politics. I actually thought, except mathematics, you know, every discipline, I feel like voice is a powerful thing. Like, I think in math, you know, it's just numbers. I don't think mathematicians really care too much. Accountants don't really deal with words. You know, they just, all they do is calculate. So I was thinking that, you know, in, in, the, in various disciplines of our world, in our studies and education, mathematicians' voices are probably the weakest. So if you're a mathematician, I'm sorry. If you're an accountant, I'm sorry. Um, but you don't think about it. Like, you think about really huge historical movements, things that shifted um, different eras in the world. You know, I think about French Revolution, right? And voices were very important. People always had this need to have to communicate, express ideas, express things that were wrong. Voices are powerful because they communicate new things or they communicate something, right? Even in today's world, I mean, you know, think about the arts, the music or poetry. People are always... Um, expressing something or voices for the sake of even aesthetics, it's considered, you know, there's an American TV show called The Voice, right? How convenient. And I remember seeing a couple episodes and I was so moved, but it's basically like American Idol except three judges. You, I think in the first round, um, all the judges are turned, their backs are turned to the contestant because you're not supposed to be biased when you like, like a contestant and they sing. And out of the three judges, I think the person if you like, if you want to recruit that contestant to be on your team, you buzz and you get to turn around and you get to see who it is. But, you know, it's the first person who buzzes that gets, well, that gets the person unless there's a tie. But anyways, the point is they're just listening to the voice to see, you know, whose voice is, you know, is beautiful, has potential, right? Voices have power. And even in today's postmodern world, right, how many times do we hear, hey, you got to let your voice be heard, you know? Or there is, there is something inside of me, I, I need my voice to be heard. And actually, that's one of my uh, biggest weaknesses in my life is that, is, you know, when I, my temptation sometimes, when I get very frustrated when I get angry, it's because I feel like my voice isn't heard. And I feel this right. I feel like I have a right to voice my opinion. And I feel like I have a right to be heard, right? Um, so voice is a powerful thing. But the problem in today's world is that there are too many voices, right? There are too many voices. And, um, you know, if you think about Psalm 1, you know, it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? But, you know, then it goes on to say, but blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord day and night. And whenever I think, whenever I'm meeting with people or talking to friends or even myself, sometimes because we live in such a noisy world, with so many counselors, so many counsels, so many different devices that go on, we have too many voices that cloud our thoughts and our thinking that we don't, we can't discern whose voice is right. Which voice do we follow? We don't really know. So if I were to ask you today, when you think of God's voice, what do you think of? When you think of God's voice, what do you think of? 
We want to hear God's voice, specifically in situations when we're in need of direction. You know, we're like, oh, I just need to hear God's voice. There's this big decision I need to make, and I need to, I need to have peace. Only way I'm going to make it right is if I just feel peace. You know, when we are um, in need of guidance, we don't, we're maybe transitioning in our careers. When we are moving from the U.S. to Australia or something like that, or, or when you want to possibly get married, I don't know, right? Um, there are these big decisions that we need to make, and the greater and the more important it is, the more we say, God, I, I need to hear your voice, or we tell people, oh, I can't do anything yet because I need to first hear from God. So one thing that struck me, actually, in thinking about this is that we're very good and we're very eager about wanting to hear God's voice when we need to make a big decision that's going to sort of matter a lot in our lives. In, in the way that it, it's, in the way, if it's going to affect me, then I want to hear God's voice. It's for the purpose of direction, for guidance, right? Or sometimes even when we're suffering, when we're going through a hard time, and, you know, we have those questions, God, why me? God, why my family? There is a need to want to understand, so we're seeking God's voice. So, you know, whenever we're confused or directionless or aimless, we want to hear God's voice. But recently, as I was reading and meditating through the book of Samuel, one of the things that I've come to discover in a new way was wanting to seek God's voice simply because it's the best thing you could have. Not, not just so I could have direction. Not just so I can make the right decision. Not so that, you know, um, I won't make a mistake. But simply because God's voice is good. Simply because his voice is sweet. And I'll tell you how I came to this realization. Um, see, because so many times, like, we, when we want to hear God's voice, it's because I think a lot of times when we say, I want to make the right one, what we're really saying is, I don't want to make a mistake. You know, I don't want to be doomed for failure. That's what we're really saying. But I don't think we say enough, like, I just want to hear God's voice because it's sweet to my ear. Like, you know, when I put on music, sometimes I want to listen to music because it's good. Because it's good for my soul. You know, I told Sole when she um, came into her apartment, I was like, you know, Sole, your presence is like a bomb for my soul. And I was like, I, 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 it's, you know, her presence has been like medicine. It's just been so good, right? <laughs> like a lip balm, like balm. I don't know if I'm saying it. Sorry, like B-A-L-M. How do you guys say it? Balm? Balm? I don't know. Not a bomb, like B-O-M-B. No, no, no. Bomb. <laughs> uh, but it's been like a sweet bomb. And, you know, <laughs> like palm, bomb. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, um, think about it. For those of you guys who love music, right, like there are certain uh, vocalists that I love and certain music that I love, and I just want to hear it because it's sweet. It's melodious. And I especially love people whose voices are very sweet because it's melodious. You know, I told one of my good friends back in uni, like, you know, your voice is like melody. It's like a song. When I listen to you speak, it sounds like a song, you know? And, um, yeah, some of our worship leaders at New Philly Sydney, they definitely have very melodious voices too, and you just want to listen to them, you know, because it's good. But do you ever want that with God? Do you ever want to hear God's voice just because it's sweet and it's good? 
How many of you ever even experienced that, right? So um, there are three. I want to look at, uh, I want, today what I want to do is I want to encourage you guys to be people who seek to hear God's voice simply because it's the best thing you can have. And to do that, I'm going to cover three points. First thing I want to look at is why should you seek God's voice? Why? Okay. Second thing, how do you know it's God's voice? That's a tough question tough question, right? How do you know it's God's voice? And third, how do you seek his voice? Okay, so the first is, why should you seek it? Second, how do you know it's God's voice? Third, how do you seek his voice? Okay, all right. Um, You know, so going back to 1 Samuel 3, this was probably, I don't know, like maybe a month ago or so, and there was a time when, um, like, about a month ago when I kept hearing, I felt like God kept nudging and was telling me, I want you to go into a, a time set apart to fasting and prayer just, just because I want you to seek me. Because at that time, I was like, Lord, I need to go, I need to fast and pray because I need a job. I need, I need to fast and pray for this. I need to fast and pray for our leaders, for our church. Like, there were so many things, and my reasons for wanting to fast became this list of what I wanted. But I felt like God was saying, forget all that. I want you to just set apart time just to be with me. Right? And he kept doing that. And so, you know, our family visited from the States. And I was like, okay, God, after they leave, I will. You know, I kept coming up with all these excuses. Like, oh, but God, after I go out to dinner tomorrow, I will. After I have my one last, you know, um, good meal, then, you know. But interruptions kept coming up and coming up. But, man, I couldn't deny, like, this nudge. And I felt God always came to no, go and fast. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. I was like, and I started canceling. Hey, can we have tea tomorrow instead? Or can we have coffee? You know? Um, actually, okay, anyways, that's another story. So as I was going into this time of fasting and prayer, I was reading through, um, I began First Samuel. And wow, I started reading about this passage on Samuel and Eli. And, you know, oh, Samuel, Samuel, oh, here I am. I. You know, and it reminded me of when I did children's ministry. And I acted it out with these, these little kids. And it was so fun because it's like, okay, you know, I would, his, his name was Richie. I was like, Richie, I'm going to go hide, okay? And I'm going to be like Eli, and you can be like Samuel. And then you come up, and you tell me. And he had so much fun. It's like he would come like, I'm up again. It's like, okay, uh, go lie down. I didn't call your name. And I just kept thinking about that, that um, little children's, you know, in- enactment that we did when I was doing um, children's ministry. And I, when I came across this passage, it was so familiar. But as I read, I was like, wow, I want to be like Samuel who can hear God's voice and just who, I want to be like Samuel where if God calls my name, I know immediately to say, Lord, here am I. Or God, speak, I'm listening. I want all of a sudden, I was so, I was um, attracted. My heart was won over. I was drawn to this part where God just knew Samuel so intimately. And he would call him by his name. And I was like, wow, I want that. Right? And, as I, and, and here's the thing. The question is, why should you seek God's voice? That's the first question I'm asking. And the first thing I want to say, it's because it's sweet. God's voice is so sweet. Do you know what makes his voice sweet? First, it's intimate and it's personal. It's so intimate. If 
you ever heard God calling out to you by name? It's personal. We went over Psalm 139 for two weeks, right, in this month. And it's all about how God knows us, even before a word is on my tongue. And God knows every thought, right? He has a personal knowledge of us. And, and you know, it, it's that intimate. When I, when I was fasting during this time and reading through Samuel, at the same time, I really got into this one particular song. Some of you guys may know. Um, and it's called I Am Yours by Misty Edwards. And I was also, during that time, reading through Psalms as well. Um, I don't, I'm just, I was able to do this because I didn't have a job yet, you know. So don't think like, man, this woman is holy. <laughs> no, I just, well, okay, that too, I am holy. But I, but I, I had time. So I had time to really soak my, soak in scripture. And I was reading like Psalm and all these things. Um, and I was, as I was reading Psalm 119, I was like listening to this song, I am yours. Listen to the lyrics, right? I won't sing to you the way Semi sang for you last week, but listen to part of the lyrics. It says, though I sleep, my heart is awake. Though it's night on you, I wait. It's been a long night and I'm weary. It's been a long time and I'm hungry. For when I heard your voice, when you said my name, when I heard your voice, my heart, it yearned. And she goes on and on and saying, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, in the middle. And that might mean nothing to you, right? But get this. And then it says, in the middle of my heart, it yearns. And I was reading Psalm 119. And never in my life did I ever think Psalm 119 was too short. You guys, if you guys know Psalm 119, it's longer than the book of Ruth. It's long. But, but something was happening. And I was like, Lord, Psalm 119 already ended. Why is it already over? I wanted to keep going because Psalm 119 was so good, right? And I realized for the first time what Psalm 119 is about. You see the word law and decree everywhere. It sounds like commandment. It's all about how this person, the Psalter, is in love with God's commandment. But do you know what I got? The heart behind the Psalter is he loves God so much and he understood he understood so much how precious God's word is that he's saying, Lord, I can't live without it. And some of the things that he says in Psalm 119, is he says, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous deeds. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your word my eyes are awake before the watches of the night. Everywhere it's all about, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, in the, before the watches of the night, Lord, I, I am praising you. I want to wake up in the middle of the night because I want to meditate on your statutes and your laws. You know, God, I'm longing for your law. Like, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's crazy. Like, you know, this person is so, so, um, what's the word when you want something so longing and uh, you see the word longing and yearning everywhere all over Psalm 119 as well. He says, my soul longs for your salvation. It longs for your promise. My soul is consumed with the longing of your rules at all times. I mean, do we ever have those moments where it's like, God, I am longing to hear your law. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. But this altar, he's like, God, I am longing to, to meditate on your works. And you know what he says? He says, I love your commandments above gold above fine gold therefore i consider all your precepts to be right and then he says this he says i hate every false way so this is a man who's saying i know how good and life-giving and righteous your laws are so much to the point i want to wake up in the middle of the night and i want to praise you for your commandments this and he says how sweet are your words how sweeter how much sweeter than honey to my mouth you know like that word sweet is like literally it's it's so sweet it can just slip and glide into your mouth. You 
know, you might be thinking of lollipop or I don't know. Think of the something the most glimiest is not the most um, aesthetically, you know, good sounding word, but something that's so sweet, it just slips, it melts. Think about like really delicious, like, you know, they're like, oh man, I'm salivating. <laughs> but, you know, there are certain things that just melt in your mouth and it's sweet. And this, and you know what? You can't digest things that are like too meaty, but you can't, everything, things that are slip, slip, slippery, sweet, it immediately just goes into your digestion into your digestive system and he's saying the law the statutes of god are like that so as i'm thinking about i am yours i'm thinking about samuel and i'm reading these words from psalm 119 something started crazy started happening where you know i know you guys might think this is a little like cheesy but every now when i go to sleep not every night most of the time when i go to sleep i'll turn to paul and i'll be like oh, it's time to sleep and you know he's like and i get sad because for me, I'm like, oh, man, oh, for seven hours, we'll be, like, apart in the sense of, <laughs> calm down, calm down. No, but it's kind of, no, but think about it. Do you, do you realize? No, no, no. My, the point is, for seven hours, our consciousness, like, we'll be apart. We won't be communicating. We won't be, we won't, we won't be together in our conscience. And I'll be in my own, like, world. Right, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be in my own world, and he'll be in his own world, and we won't be, we won't be communicating. And so I was like, oh man, like I wonder what your next seven hours will be like. You know, sometimes I think that, um, because <laughs> look, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be all like gross, but, but I'm just being real with you because sometimes when you love someone, you want to know everything. I, you know, sometimes I want to know what every thought, like, you know, you want to know. And it's like, wow, seven hours, like, God, like, you know, I wonder what that'll be like. So sometimes that's sad for me, right? But as these things were going on, you know what started happening? I was like, God, this was crazy. I never prayed this prayer before. I've never had this desire. I said, Lord, I want you to wake me up at three in the morning. I want to be awakened to your voice at eight in the morning. I don't want to set an alarm clock. God, I just want you to wake me up because I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you calling me out. I was like, and my, and, you know, I was in bed, like still reading. Cause it's like, Oh, I just want more of God's voice. I want to hear more of him. And Paul's like, you know, ready to sleep. And he likes us to sleep at the same time together. So he's like, okay, honey, come on. Let's turn off the lights now. And I wasn't even looking at him this time. I'm like, you can go to sleep. <laughs> Have your own dreams. I'm not ready yet, you know. But I felt like God was changing this taste bud and giving me this desire of saying, Lord, I want your voice to be the first thing I hear when I wake up. And the thing is, it's not even like I wanted, I, 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 I was thinking about him in the morning. I was just thinking, I want to be, I want my consciousness to be that alert is what I was saying. That if, if you're calling me in the middle of the night, I just want to hear you and be ready to say, yes, Lord, what is it that you're saying? You know, that became my new desire. And so you see, it's intimate and it's personal. The way that the Lord calls Samuel, he doesn't just address anybody. He says, Samuel, Samuel, there's power when he calls your name. You know, I want to hear God say, Jamie, Jamie, do you hear me? I want that intimacy. I want, I want it to be heard and be called by him. Okay, so why should we seek God's voice? First point, it's intimate and it's and it's personal. Okay, and these are all things that make it sweet. You know, why is his God? Why is God's voice sweet? It's intimate. It's personal. 
And the second thing I want to say is that it's very, there is, in every single person's voice, there, it's unique and it's distinct. Do you know that no one can replicate your voice? I am an identical twin, for those of you who didn't know, and my twin happens to have a very similar sounding voice. And so sometimes we can play tricks on our husbands. You know, I can call her husband like, ha, you know, you know, like they call each other by their nicknames. And I can pretend, and my sister's done it, and Paul can't di- dis- differentiate it sometimes on the phone. And, he'll, and we'll be like, guess who, do you, who, who am I, honey? He's like, uh, you know, he won't answer sometimes because he can't tell. So, you know, I think like unless you're twins or triplets or whatever, like, I, you know, your voice, our voices are very distinct. You know, and that's what makes it even sweeter when you hear God's voice. Okay, there is, there is something that only, um, there's a uniqueness about God's voice. There's a distinctness about God's voice. Okay, in Song of Songs, if you guys know, if you guys ever read, there is, uh, a, the, the man says to the, the wife, right, to the women, this is what he says, Oh, my love, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely, right? There, when you hear somebody's voice, it forms a personal connection. You want to hear your lover's voice. You know, I'm sorry, but no one, if, if, you know, recently when the women got together, we asked, oh, you know, how, what would you, if you're deserted on an island, what would you take with you besides the Bible, right? And I got, I, I got sentimental. I said, I would probably want to take a photo of people I love because I'm thinking if I'm like there for hundreds of days, I would want to look at, like, look at them, right? But then right, after I answered that, I was like, no, I probably would want a letter like written from people I love, like Paul, because I want to hear their voice. Only thing that, you know, God, you guys are probably think I'm really sentimental now. <laughs> No, but you know, there is power when you hear the distinct voice of the person you love. No, your mom can, you know, if you have a really good loving relationship with your mom and she's told you your whole life that you're beautiful and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then a stranger tells you you're beautiful, right? It it doesn't matter because you, there's more weight when a person that matters declares something over you. And there, so there is this in, uh, p- uh, personal uniqueness even about God's voice, right? And you, if, so if, you're, if you've ever been in love, you should know what that's like. You, you guys know what it's like when you're going to sleep and you, you probably can't wait till you wake up in the morning to, like, talk on the phone or pick up that phone call, whatever, right? Like, you want to hear your beloved, unless you're jaded, <laughs> okay? So, but, you know, there is, there is something that stirs up in our hearts that makes us excited to hear your person's voice, especially if you guys have been apart and like, imagine that you're traveling like pastor John here, he's away from his baby and his wife. And I'm sure he's already missing Olivia's voice and then pastor Anita's voice. Right. And no one can sound like them. Right. So that's what makes it sweet. (laughs) Get him tissue somebody, (laughs) but that's what makes it sweet is that it's intimate and personal and it's unique. Um, but here's what's amazing about God's voice is that it's not just sweet sounding when it's gentle and, you know, it's declaring love over you. Do you know it's sweet even when God rebukes you? It's so sweet. You know, in Psalm 119, as I was meditating, there was this verse that stuck out to me and listen to this. It says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. 
I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Basically, it's saying when I think of my ways, I'm going to turn from what I want to do. And instead, I'm going to not delay what you want me to do. It's basically saying, God, when I hear you, when I hear your instructions, when I hear your, your ways, I don't want to delay obeying you. Right? So that verse really caught me, and I was just meditating on it. And I don't remember what P- Pastor Paul and I, you know, what Paul and I kind of argued about, or we got into a little tiff about something. And, you know, sometimes my temptation is to, like, withhold forgiveness. So I think he's, I'm going to let him suffer for a little bit. You know, I'm going to make him, like, really think about what he did. And, you know, like, sometimes in my evil way, sometimes I would want to do that because I, I want him to, like, suffer a little bit. Because it's like, pay time, right? Like, I suffer. Now you need to understand how much that hurt or something like that, right? That's a little mean, but we all do that. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's like, the, you know, something he'll, you, you know, you got a text. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's like, uh, they're not going to let them know that it's okay. And it's like, instead <laughs> you give them the cold shoulders, right? And I, I was so tempted to do that. But I remember this verse and God was rebuking me and saying, Hey, Hey, why are you being bitter? Don't be bitter. Don't be unforgiving. And I remember, God, when I think on your ways, I don't want to delay. You know? And I want to hasten. I want to be quick to, to go your way. And when God rebuked me in that moment, I was like, ha, 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 right? And God was rebuking me. Even there, his voice was so gentle. And his voice was firm. It's like, no, don't hasten. Don't wait to obey now. Forgive now. Reconcile, make peace now. And I was like, wow, you know, that's sweet. That voice is sweet because it leads you to a place of peace, reconciliation. It's good. So I want us to understand, right, that sweetness of God's voice isn't just when we feel known by God, when we feel loved by God, but it's also when we are rebuked. When we are, rebuke isn't like condemning, or we'll get into that a little bit later, but it's when God is turning us toward his ways. Okay, that's sweet. What's amazing about God's voice is that there is none like God's voice in this world in the sense that while it's sweet, it's simultaneously powerful. It's majestic. You guys, that, that paradox of strong yet, for, like strong yet gentle, um, you know, I remember like when I was learning the piano all over again as an adult, my piano teacher would tell me like, you need to press the key so that it's strong, but don't, don't like make a, like, you know, like if you guys know what I mean, you're not supposed to bang your keys if you're trying to make a strong sound. But she would tell me, you got to be delicate, but you got to have controlled power. And that would be like, what? That would not make any sense. Cause if you're thinking literally, right? Like, uh, strong playing means just pressing on the keys. But man, if you look at uh, pianists or even like some musicians, there is even like um, I'm, I'm really into opera, okay? But like operatic voices, like there, like when they're singing very softly, it's still very powerful, right? That paradox is very hard to understand. But I think in music, um, if I give you guys a little demonstration of that. I mean, not, not me, but, <laughs> but you know, I'm just giving you an example of what that's like. I think you might understand, but that's God's voice is sweet, but yet, man, it's, it's powerful. Psalm 29 all over. It's all about describing and attributing God's voice as 
you know, like over the waters. It's, you know, God's voice comes in the sound of the trees, like everything. And it, those are roaring, you know, it's like roaring oceans and winds and all these different ways that God's voice is characterized. And um, think about even how Moses was called, right? It's, it's with authority and it's with power. And you think about even, even how Jesus' voice is authoritative. Jesus' voice is not always sweet. You know, we think of Jesus as only like sweet and gentle. Yes, he is. Man, he's also authoritative. When that when his ministry began, people are like, "Man, who is this man? Who who talks like him?" You know, because his authority was his own. He spoke with that kind of boldness. And that's when you think about, um, yeah, when you think about the authority of God's voice, and you see how Jesus really lived that out. We understand that God's voice is not only sweet, but it's sweet yet it's also authoritative. It's commanding. That even the winds and the seas, they obey at the sound of his voice, right? This creation was made because God spoke at the sound of God's voice. His creation obeys. So that's the first thing. Why should you listen? Why should you seek God's voice? It's because it's sweet and it's authoritative. And when there's, where there's authority, it gives you life, okay? Um, second thing I want to look at is, how do you know it's God's voice? This is a really hard question. And I'll just be honest with you. I was thinking, how do I, how, how do I teach this or preach about how do we know it's God's voice? And, and I'm just going to be real with you, right? And actually, it's not just like an excuse, but it's true. If you ever look in the Bible to look for a way, I'm going to look up. Okay, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to open my Bible to learn about how God's how I know it's God's voice. You'll never find a formula that tells you this is how you know it's God's voice. You know, when you look at the encounters that prophets had, like uh, prophet uh, Moses, when you look at how God spoke to even Samuel, to Abraham, God never speaks to these people in the one same way. There is no one size fits all. There's no custom cookie cutter style that God speaks. There's no manual for learning to listen to God's voice. And that's good. For the, but I do want to say for those of us who are more systematic thinkers, who are more rational and logical, and we need things to be in an orderly way, it's a little bit harder because we can get frustrated and think like, well, I need to figure it out and I need to calculate it if this was really God's voice or not, right? Sometimes we, and that's good because our, God gave us our intellect and mind also to be able to think through things. But the first thing I want to establish is that if you're looking for a formula to figure out how, God, how to discern and hear God's voice, there is none. There is no formula. But there is good news, and we're not without hope. Why? Because, and I'll tell you why. Um, because, <laughs> I have 10 minutes? Wow, okay. I, I got to go really fast. Um, because, I'm losing why. We don't want to... Um, Okay, so how do we know God's voice, right? Um, I'll show you. I'll t- let me just line out, line up five ways that we know. It's through, and Sammy last week talked about all the different ways that we're learners and how God teaches us, you know, through kinetic experiences, visual, et cetera, et cetera, right? And some, these are the ways that sometimes um, we know it's God's voice. He sometimes speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us through God's word. He speaks to us through our circumstances. He speaks to us through relationships. And he also speaks to us through prophecies, through prophetic prayers, with people who, have, who are able to um, 
prophesy, right? But in all those things, I've, I think what's most, what's really important in being able to know God's voice is that you need to know his character. You need to know who God is because you can't know what his voice is like unless you know that it's consistent with his character. God never speaks to us to do things in our ways without, when, uh, without in, with inconsistencies. It's always in truth and in line with how he's revealed himself through the word. Right? And another thing is we also have to have childlike faith and maturity. Do you know that? Because, you know, send me share an example last week, you know, when she got a bottle cap and it said, talk to your dad. If she didn't have childlike faith and she thought it's just a cat, let's not over spiritualize everything. Like, you know, because don't we all say that? Like, oh, I don't stop over spiritualizing. It's just a coincidence, right? Sometimes it is, you know, like, you know, which cereal should I eat? Let me ask the Lord. I mean, like, that's overly spiritualizing. I, I, I don't think that's very important. But when in the context, it's always in context of how God's moving. In the context of Semi's life, she happened to got, she got, she opened a, you know, a, a bottle and the cap said, talk to your dad. You know, so sometimes can God speak in that way? And you know what? I think what, what you need to first ask is, do you have childlike faith? Are you willing to, to believe that maybe that is God's voice, that God is speaking to you, God is nudging at you, and God's leading you a certain way? Right? So we need to have childlike faith, and we need to be, have the maturity to be able to discern, to be able to test the spirits. 1 John 4, 1, it says, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Right? And so how do we do this? And I'm just going to run through a few ways how we can um, know that it's God's voice. First thing and a lot of these actually, like, I, I found Rick Warren's um, uh, material really helpful. First thing he says is, you need to ask the question, does it agree with the Bible? Okay, and that's what I was saying before, is that God's truth is consistent. It's never changing. It's always, it's always true and good. And it's never contradictory. So, for example, you know, um, pay your, pay, give back to Caesar what is his. And a lot of time for believers, we take that into saying, you know, I'm going to pay my taxes, right? And there's integrity in that. But then, you know, you say, oh, but this year, I feel like the Lord is saying to me, don't give. It's okay because, you know, you're giving a lot to your friend's weddings. And, you know, and so I, I, say, to, I say to, you know, I felt like I should give taxes this year, but I feel like God was saying, you know, it's okay. You're giving a lot to your, towards your friend's weddings, and that's thousands of dollars. So that's, I decided not to give my taxes this year. Is that a voice from God and you're saying, oh, I heard it, you know? I don't know. Check the scriptures. Is, it, is that in line with God's character? Does God tell us to live in integrity and to, to be dutiful citizens one way and then all of a sudden whisper in your, to you and say, don't give, it's okay? Like, because, you know, that's probably you wanting to make an excuse for yourself, right? So that's inconsistent. And that's one thing we have to watch out for is that, is that you need to ask, does it agree with the scripture, what God says and how he's revealed himself? Second thing you want to ask is, does it make me more like Christ? You know, is what I want to do, is what, what I feel like I need to, is it loving? Is it wise? Because the goal, one of the things, purposes of what God wants to do with us is to make us more like Christ right? And, and how do we know if you're becoming more like Christ? And one of the ways that I really like to think about, sometimes when I feel stuck and I don't know whether I should, it's a relational issue, whether it's that or that, and it's, sometimes it, there are a lot of gray areas, right? Um, and I love to really meditate on James chapter 3, where it talks about two kinds of wisdom, right? And think about the heavenly wisdom. Is it pure, right? 
Is, it, is what you want to do peace-loving, or is it going to produce more conflict? Is it going to uh, create more chaos? Is it considerate? Are you thinking only for yourself, or is it going to benefit the other, peop- other person? Is it submissive? And that's really important. Submissive meaning, are you willing to let other people even speak into your life about it? Or are you in control? Right? Um, is it full of mercy? Is it full of grace? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? And when you begin to meditate on what heavenly wisdom is, according to James 3, and you think, should I do this or not? You begin to understand, oh, you know what? Maybe what I want to do here isn't so full of consideration for this person. It's not, gonna be, it's not making me more like Christ. Right? So these are some ways that we know it's God's voice. God's voice is leading us to become more like Christ. It's always full of wisdom, and it's always full of love. Right? Um, and this is a really important one. How else do you know it's God's voice? I think it's so important. You know, Pastor Paul has been preaching about community and the importance of church and all that. And one of the reasons is because God didn't make us to be lone rangers, right? And so the question is, do you have people in your life who can confirm what you think God is speaking to you? Because if you are, you know, if you think, if you believe yourself, oh, you know, God told me to go to Alaska or, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, and just live there. And that's just what you believe God said to you. Uh, but then you don't allow other people like your pastors or your CG leaders or people that you trust, people who are maybe more mature in the faith, to be able to um, test out what, to be able to confirm what you think God is saying, then there's a problem. You know, if you feel resistance to even sharing about what those things are with leaders in your life, with other people, that's already a red flag that there's something up, that there's something wrong there. Okay? And so that's really important is that you are uh, opening up your life to other people to confirm maybe the word that God is giving you or something that God's giving you. And it's so good when other people are able to confirm it. You know, like when Paul and I were thinking back in the States, like, should we go and, you know, should we, is this your calling, Lord? Is this your leading? As we were praying, we also invited very few, um, several important key pastors and leaders in our lives who were able to confirm, like, our gifts and this calling. You know, that's all part of how we make wise decisions. And that's sometimes you hear God's voice through that way. You know, or, or you can be like Semi, go pick up a bottle and see if it speaks to you. No, um, no, that's a joke, actually. No, but, you know, you need to have people in your life who can confirm those things. Okay, and then last thing is, um, do you feel convinced of your sin? Okay, um, I, I want to use the word convinced. Sometimes we, we talk about, oh, I feel so convicted, right? There are two ways to understand convicted. There are different senses of the word. One way to understand the word convict is it you feel uh, it's to, com- it's to uh, punish you. It's to penalize you for the sin. But another way to understand feeling convicted is to feel convinced of your wrongdoing. Okay? And that's the way that I'm using this word now. Um, you know, Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you feel like you are, the Spirit never condemns you, right? God convicts you of your sin to love you and to restore you. Satan condemns you to destroy you. You know, God would never tell you you're unloving, that you're a failure, and that there's no more hope, you know? See, what condemnation does is it makes you feel worse and worse and worse. What conviction does is it, it immediately grips you, it brings you into the light. That's what it literally means. It brings you into the light so that you're able to see, and it turns you from your old ways, and you're able to bring to, 
bring things to repentance, and it fills you with hope. That's what the voice of God does. So if you're hearing accusatory, you know, things that condemn you, that's not the voice of the Lord. You know, God's voice is always loving. It's always gracious. It's always merciful. Yes, it's firm, but it's not condemning. Okay, so far, we talked about why should we seek his voice. Okay, and how do you know it's God's voice? And the last thing I want to mention is, how do you seek it? Okay, so how do you seek his voice? And I want to go back to 1 Samuel 3. And I want us to pay a little bit more careful attention to verse 9. Okay? 9 and 10. Let me read it for you. Verse 9 and 10. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak. For your servant hears. Okay. You know what is so uh, amazing about Samuel's posture here? How do you seek his voice? You have to be ready and be willing to listen. You, okay. Basically, when, when Eli teaches Samuel to say, Lord, speak for your servant hears, that word for. Okay, you have you know you know what it literally means? That for is basically saying the reason why I ask you to speak is because I'm listening. Okay? So it the Lord, the reason why I'm asking you to speak is because I'm listening. That's what he's saying. So what this shows is that Samuel is saying to God, God, speak because I'm listening. You see. What was so amazing to me was, you know, when I was, like, having this, like, amazing revival on my own, and God was, like, showing me all these things, I was like, Lord, when you, when I hear you call my name, oh, I can't wait to say, Lord, here I am. Here, here am I, Lord. Here am I, God, right? That's what I kept saying, like, here am I, God. And I was, like, practicing, Paul, like, honey, like, here am I, you know? Um, I'm like, here am I. And I just wanted to be like that because I wanted to be like Samuel, right? Um, but then I realized something. I realized Notice that the fourth time Lord shows up and calls out Samuel, Samuel doesn't, he no longer says, here am I. You know what he says? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Do you know what the difference is? Here am I is basically saying, what's up? Speak, Lord, for your servant is here. It's saying, Lord, speak, I'm ready to do. You know, and I was like, Lord, I don't want to say here am I anymore. Speak, I'm ready. You know, it's like, like think about the royalty you know, like, if you're a queen or a king and, you know, like, oh, you know, like, you're about to, like, I'm just fantasizing, but, you know, like, oh, at your service, you know, like, like, think about those people who are always at the king and the queen's service, right? Like, at your service, right? It's, basically, it's like that. Like, Lord, speak, I'm at your service, I'm ready. It's, here am I, it's just acknowledging, like, okay, what do you want to say? Let me think about what you're going to say. Let me first hear. But Lord, speak, I'm ready. Right? And so how do we how do we seek his voice? When we're seeking his voice, we have to first really be real. Ask yourselves, are you ready to listen? That word listen, right, in the original language, it, it goes both hand in hand. It means at the same time obey. You can't listen and not obey. But when you want to seek God's voice, are you ready to listen? Are you ready to obey? That's what the Lord wants to know. 
And that's what he wants us to know um, from all of us today. You know, as I wrap this up, what happens when you begin to seek his voice and you begin to obey, right? There are good things that happen, you know, like you become wiser. You're able to make more wise decisions and choices in your life, right? Um, You begin to carry out God's will in your life. All these good benefits, good fruit, you're bearing good fruit. You're maturing and you're growing. But you know what I think might be the sweetest reward of listening to God's voice and obeying? You get to know God more. You get to know his, Him more. You know, God says to, God said to Eli, before chapter 3, God said to Eli, when basically God says to him, I'm going to destroy your household, you know, because your sons are worthless and all these things. God says, instead, I'm going to raise up someone who has my heart and my mind. You know, um, that's what he says. And if you look at Samuel all throughout the book, you know, chapter 15, when we went back and looked at Saul, remember I pointed out, it's interesting how the person that walks away grieving for the sin is not Saul, but it's Samuel and it's God. Saul was grieved. You know what begins to happen when you hear God's voice? You, be, you recognize the voice of the Lord more and more, and you become more attuned with who he is and what's on his heart. So much to a point, you begin to grieve for the things that break his heart. That's the heart of a person who knows his voice. And that's what I want us to become. I want us to become people who understand his heart more, who treasure his heart more deeply, who can grieve because we understand what breaks God's heart, who can celebrate because we understand what makes his heart joyous. You know, we become more attuned with God. That's the reward in and of itself of knowing his voice. And then lastly, I think uh, this is really sweet. When Paul and I were dating, he got me a, a gift, uh, a very romantic gift. It was actually an, an NIV 84 Bible. <laughs> he got me a Bible. And the year after that, he got me an ESV study Bible. But anyways, <laughs> maybe he was like, hint, hint, read your Bible. I don't know. But um, on, on the NIV Bible, I love, like, we're very, like, into letters and communication, whatever. And he wrote me, a, like, a little letter on the front of the NIV Bible. And in it, he included a verse from Job, chapter 23. Um, and he wrote this, and he encouraged me. I hope this verse becomes your life verse, right? And he said, and it says this. It says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I remember when I read that, I was like, you know, it didn't really speak to me. But I remember for years, I would think, I wonder what that would be like to treasure the words of God more than my daily food, right? And it's been like, you know, I don't know, like good seven years or so since I've got that um, gift. And I feel like more recently, God, God's been showing me the depth of that verse. Because the more and more I hear his voice, what it does is you begin to hunger for it more and more. To a point, I'm ready to say, God, I don't even want to eat right now. I just want to, I want to eat your words. I treasure what you have to say more than anything else, God. Because it's so sweet, and it's so life-giving, and it's so good. And I wish that every single one of us, God speaks to us through his word. He can speak to you intimately, personally. And 
I pray for all of us to be people who desire his voice more than anything else because it's the best thing. Let's pray.